Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, welcome indeed. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on this Wednesday. It's the 21st morning of the second month in the year of our Lord, 2024. It's also, of course, known as the month of division. They continue to divide. They're very, very good at it. And uh, that's where we sit. So uh, we got one guest uh, lined up for you this morning. Coming up at 1110, I'll tell you a lot more about Edward Bartlett at that time. The first two hours are going to be dedicated to news. A lot of important stuff that we have to uh, bring to you. And more importantly, or as importantly anyway, we want to listen to you about and get your thoughts on. 216-901-0945 is the number. 888-281-1110. Uh, that one will work as well. And... Um, like I said, we have a lot of things to talk about, some of them on the local scale, some of them national. Donald Trump held a town hall last night that's got a lot of tongues wagging. Mine will be one of them. I'll wag about that in a moment. Uh, there was a lot of really great, great stuff from Donald Trump. One negative from uh, last night's town hall meeting on Fox with Laura Ingram. Uh, one negative, but uh, there was a whole lot to like about that, and we're going to talk about it. Parents are under attack like never before in this country. We are going to talk about that. Um, so is uh, energy. That is under attack, continuing to be. I've got a new story there and so much more. So uh, we're going to dive into all of it after we pledge our allegiance to this great country. If you are a believer in that, then go ahead and join us. Stand and put your hand on your heart and face your flag. Or if you're driving, just look at the flag that you've mounted on your windshield or your uh, uh, a rearview mirror or somewhere else on your dash. I love when people do that. Uh, but uh, if you are a believer in surrendering and sacrificing all of that which has made this country great because you believe, like Barack Obama, that the nation needs to be fundamentally transformed into something different, well, then you don't love this country. Don't fake it. You are not... Uh, 
You're not required to virtue signal and stand. You may instead take a knee like the good little Marxist you are. For those who believe, however, join me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yeah, um, I'm going to start with with last night's uh, Donald Trump town hall meeting, and he is, of course, just on the verge of blowing Nikki Haley out of her home state of South Carolina on Saturday. It's not going to be close. I think the latest numbers show somewhere in the neighborhood of a 30-point gap, something like that. Uh, and this is something that just can't be reconciled. There is no reason whatsoever for her to continue into this race. She shouldn't be in it now, but it certainly shouldn't continue after Saturday. She still says she's going on to Super Tuesday, but we will wait and see. Obviously, Governor Ron DeSantis, who I really, really liked a lot in this uh, primary race, realized it uh, a while back, and uh, everybody needs to get out of the way and let the battle shape up as being what it is, which is Donald Trump against the radical left. Mind you, I didn't say Donald Trump against Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not anybody to compete with. Joe Biden, um, I mean, uh, if if you were playing checkers with Joe Biden, he would make a move and say touchdown. Uh, he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. It is becoming more and more obvious every single day. Uh, he will not debate Donald Trump. He will not debate reporters. You saw what happened when he tried to get up there and defend his mental acuity against a reporting, uh, you know, a team of reporters, the White House press pool that was just waiting for a chance to talk to him about this stuff. And he got mad and started yelling at him uh, and then got confused because he didn't know where he was. It's not even an issue of, of Donald Trump versus uh, Joe Biden. In November, it is all about Donald Trump versus the radical left that is trying to literally destroy everything that this country stands for, everything it was founded upon. And if you think that sounds a little over the top, it's not. I, I remember, you know, I had a great conversation yesterday. I was talking with a former Cleveland uh, uh, news anchor and just a legendary personality, Robin Swoboda. Uh, we did a recording yesterday for my TV show, Strictly Speaking, which I strongly encourage you to watch. Uh, Strictly Speaking, and it'll air. That one will air next. I want to say next Monday uh, or Wednesday. Uh, at any rate, um, Robin and I were talking about the state of the country, in addition to many other things, and she brought up what I bring up on a very, very frequent basis here: that when Barack Obama declared that he was going to fundamentally transform America. He wasn't kidding, number one. And number two, it indicates what he and they, they being the other, um, you know, Obama acolytes and, and, and members of the cabal, if you want to call it that, um, they truly do not like the country. That's why they want to change it. And then Robin and I, you know, kick that around. And I always use this as an example. If you're dating a woman and, uh, you know, you, you decide you want to marry this woman, you don't ask her to marry you saying, hey, I really love you, you're great, I want to marry you, and then say, by the way, when I do, I'm going to fundamentally change you into something else. If you love the person, you want to retain what makes that person awesome. Well, if you're Barack Obama and a radical leftist, you can say you love America, but when you profess your strong desire to, once you become president, fundamentally transform it into something else, then you didn't love it in the first place. You want to make it something different. Well, that didn't end in 2016 when Obama left office. It continues to this very day. 
So it's Trump against the radical left. It's not Trump against Biden. And I think it's important to know that. And last night, Donald Trump had a lot of really, really great moments. His passion for what he is doing right now came through loud and clear. Um, he, he made a very, very, very good point about this when asked by Laura Ingram about the $355 million judgment against him and the ongoing lawsuits and all of the other and, and charges that he's facing in all of the other places. And he made it very, very clear and very direct. And he was right when he said, look, everybody knows if I wasn't running, I wouldn't be facing all these lawsuits. All he had to do was step out of the way. To say, yeah, you know, I had my, I had my term. I got, he can continue to say, I got screwed in 2020. It was a rigged election. It was fraud, blah, blah, blah. If he wants, but, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, uh, set sail, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and get out of politics and I'm done. And guess what? All of those attacks on him, criminal charges, civil charges, fines, uh, you know, that are just exorbitant and completely indefensible, all of that would have gone away. Never would have been brought. They don't have to go away. They never would have been brought. He's right about that. And so he was asked, well, then why are you doing this? Why didn't you just step away? Laura Ingram asked him, and his answer was perfect. He said, I can't because I want to make America great again. That was such a great line. It is such a phenomenal statement of, I'm willing to sacrifice my personal wealth. I'm willing to sacrifice my time my reputation, I'm willing to pay lawyers, I'm willing to put myself at risk of going to prison with all of these bogus, trumped up, no pun intended, you know, lawfare charges against me. I'm willing to put all of that on the line because I want to make America great again. And you can argue and debate whether or not that this that's genuine or if it's more ego uh, because he wants to be the one to do it or whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is what he said is true. If he wasn't running, he would be free and clear. None of these charges would have been brought. None of these cases, none of these fines levied, none of these sanctions, nothing. And so here he is. And Laura Ingram last night asked him, with all of these things that are being done to you, Many people are concerned that if you get the Oval Office again, you're going to go on a revenge tour against everybody has wronged you, who has wronged you. Uh, my revenge will be success. You told Maria Bartiromo that you may campaign in the Bronx or at Madison Square Garden. When might that be happening? Uh, very soon. Look, we have nine months yet, uh, but I'm going to... Uh see about Madison Square Garden and we're going to go to the South Bronx and we're going to go to Queens and other areas because if you look at what's happened in New York, I'm not even blaming the mayor. I think the mayor has sort of been told to take a back seat a little bit because they came after him violently. You know, they came after him like they're going to indict him when he started speaking up and now he's become quiet. It would be quite something if he could fill up uh, 20,000 seats in Madison Square Garden. That would be, uh, that would be quite an event. But uh, the most important line there was the very beginning, of course. Um, my revenge will be success. And boy, what kind of revenge that would be, right? I mean, seriously. If Donald Trump is able to return to the White House in January of 2025 and proceeds to take us on the same ride that he took us on in 2017, January of 2017, up until COVID. Again, I've got big problems with the way COVID was handled and Operation Warp Speed and other things, but let's kick that to the curb. 
if he takes us on the same ride from January 2017 that he took to uh, uh, into the beginning, beginning part of 2020 and does that for us again, and inflation is down under 2%, and gas prices are down around 2 bucks, and unemployment is at record lows for all of the same demographics, including and especially minority demographics, if he makes us energy independent again, if he restarts drilling and fracking and mining, and, and recommits to real American energy, ends ridiculous EV mandates and climate change nonsense, carbon tax plans, stops student loan forgiveness, and actually starts and expects people to start paying back that which they borrowed because that's the American way. And that is what is required of all of us. If he goes back and literally does everything, reestablishes American exceptionalism on the global stage as well. Reminds uh, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un and uh, the mullahs in in Iran and the terrorists in the Middle East. Reminds all of them that the, uh, the boss is back. And you know how you did things when I was here before? That's how you're going to do things again because you have no idea what I'm prepared to do. It's why and how he was successful in foreign policy. It's so funny to listen to the radicals on the MSNBC and CNN shows and in the papers and so forth talking about how we're trying to figure out what it is that Vladimir Putin has on Donald Trump because Donald Trump is very soft on Vladimir Putin. He must have something on him. Nancy Pelosi and Jen Psaki talked about that yesterday on one of their uh, ridiculous shows that Peppermint Patty has. And... um, Clearly, Putin has something on Trump. And Pelosi said, yeah, I think it's probably financial. As if, what? What could Putin have on Trump? Putin was cowed when Donald Trump was president. Putin was backed off when Donald Trump was president. Putin went into Crimea and annexed it under Obama. Then he went into a full-on invasion of Ukraine under Biden, but stayed in his corner of the room when Donald Trump was in charge. Why? Why do you think that would be? Does that sound like Vladimir Putin has something on Donald Trump? If Vladimir Putin had something on Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin would have invaded Ukraine while Donald Trump was president and said, what are you going to do? You can do nothing. Quit flapping your gums. You can do nothing because you know what I have on you. The idea that the communist leaders of this world are, are somehow in control of Donald Trump, but not of Joseph Biden when they are making their most bold and, and aggressive moves against freedom and against American allies and American interests that they have ever, it, it is just, it's laughable, except I can't laugh at it because it's too serious. But this is what they're doing. Trump kept, Trump, Trump balanced the books with China. And I'm not talking about erasing our debt to China. Obviously, our $34 trillion national debt is, is an extraordinary problem. But what I mean is we were getting crushed when it comes to trade. The trade imbalance, the trade deficits we were running with China was terrible. He'd stared uh, Xi Jinping in the face and said, here come the tariffs. And, and China said, well, then fine, we're going to institute tariffs on your goods, too. And he said, let's have this fight. Let's do it. And they did. And they showed up, showed, had a showdown. And Trump showed up, and Trump showed out, and won. And the trade imbalance was erased. All of the missiles, how many missile-tested Kim Jong-un in North Korea uh, 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 undertake when Obama was president, completely daring us to do anything about it with ICBMs? 
He did nothing when Donald Trump was president. All of these world dictators saw that when Donald Trump was in charge and America had a strong leader, and you can call him strong man if you want to be, and you say it's fascist, call him whatever you want. But when we project strength to the rest of the world, the rest of the world cowed in the face of that strength. I kind of like that idea. I kind of like having the idea of having that back again. The exact opposite of the projection to the rest of the world that we get from, from Skeletor. Bones Biden, you know, just stumbles and, 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 and shuffles his way up to the, uh, to the podium every time he has an opportunity, turns and shakes the hand of an invisible person, talks about the number of ghosts that he talked to that week, people who are, who are dead, but he claims he had conversations with. I mean, it, it, literally everything and anything about Joe Biden that you see, and it's not because he's 81, it's because he's 81 and infirm. He's physically infirm, he's mentally infirm, he is incapable. Everything and anything you see about him says weak. And that's why the world's bat- worst players are all coming up again. Al-Qaeda is being rebuilt and reconstituted in the now uh, uh, empty nation of Afghanistan, empty of U.S. troops and soldiers and allies. Al-Qaeda is building back up again. Our strongest uh, ally in the Middle East, Israel, is under attack from radical leftist, or not leftist, uh, rather, well, they probably have the same thing in common, but uh, terrorist groups, uh, Islamic terrorist groups. Putin went into Crimea. Xi is, oh my goodness, what is uh, Xi Jinping doing? (laughs) Xi Jinping is orchestrating an internal attack on the United States of America, the size and scale of which you nor I can possibly fathom. And if you think I'm kidding... I've got some stories that I'm going to share with you this morning, probably in the second hour. I mean, they're not new news. It's more of a here is the scope of that news that we have to talk about. The amount of acreage and mileage of U.S. farmland that is being bought up by the Chinese Communist Party will blow your mind. The amount of U.S. farmland that is near U.S. military installations that is being bought up by China will blow your mind. And when you add the purchase of all of that actual physical U.S. land to the fact that there is a 4,000% increase of Chinese nationals, almost all of them, military-aged males coming across the U.S. border since 2021. 4,000% increase. That, my friends, is called an army. There has been a Chinese army that has crossed our southern border because it is left wide open, intentionally so, by Joseph R. Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas. They're buying farmland, importing an army. They're gonna. They're near military bases. What do you think this is about? You don't have to have an advanced degree in international political relations or foreign policy to understand what's happening here, and it's all happening on Joe Biden's watch. Meanwhile, the the left wing media carrying the Democrats' water says that Trump is the one that is somehow. Um, owned by and being puppeted by 
uh, foreign strongman leaders like Putin and Xi and 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 Kim Jong Un and so forth. I mean, literally, the exact opposite of reality is what they are drowning themselves in. They're drowning themselves in their own fantasies, and that is so incredibly crucial that we get everybody out of the way and clear the decks for Trump versus the leftist deep state. It's not Trump versus Biden. Biden is so easily beatable. I mean, honestly, what Trump could do and should do, honestly, is go into the basement like Biden did in 2020. He could sleep for the next eight or nine months and just let Joe Biden continue to shoot himself in the foot or continue to weave more of uh, rope uh, with which to hang himself and his chances because everything he does leads to lower poll numbers. Everything he does leads to lower poll numbers. Everything he doesn't do leads to lower poll numbers. America knows that we are weak and ineffective, and we are we- and we are uh, getting weaker with Joe Biden at the helm, which is why Donald Trump beats him going away. I think Ron DeSantis would have beaten him going away. I don't know about Nikki Haley, but I don't want to find that out because this has got to end. But honestly, Donald Trump it should be, which is why they are, of course, trying to bankrupt him and use the court system to lock him up so that he can't do what everybody knows is going to happen, and that is he is going to beat Joe Biden. This is uh, an extraordinary time that we're in right now. All right, I did the entire monologue on the Trump uh, press or, uh, town hall last night. That wasn't my intention. I do have more from that, by the way, but I have a whole lot of other really important stories, too. Parenting is under attack in America like never before. I've got two stories to share with you on that that you're going to want to hear. And, of course, I will open up the thing. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, it's 934. Appreciate you uh, being with us this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Um we got uh, wide-open phone lines for you, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. When you hear the story that strikes you just right, you want to talk about it, we'll do it. Uh, but I want, to, I want to get into what I consider to be one of the greatest threats, honestly, that we are facing as um, citizens, as, as parents, as, as people, um, as Americans right now. You know, yesterday I told you about what is maybe the most grave threat, and that is the perhaps death of the First Amendment as we know it, when a commentator was found guilty in a left-wing courtroom by a left-wing jury of saying something not nice about somebody else's research and got fined a million dollars for saying it, expressing an opinion that differs from the prevailing orthodoxy of the time, the government orthodoxy of the time, is now... It's not forbidden. You can't say anything like that, or else you're going to end up being fined or punished. The death of free speech leads to the death of all of our other rights, because we won't be able to argue and defend and protect those rights if we are silenced and censored, particularly by uh, taking away our, 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 our money, our, our ability to uh, you know provide for ourselves. So that was yesterday's biggest threat. It still is today, but... This is this is right along the same lines. These are the threats that we. I'm going to pivot back to my conversation yesterday. A moment I mentioned a moment or two ago with uh, Robin Swoboda. Um, I was talking to Robin for my TV show, and we did a taping yesterday. that will air next week. And uh, I asked Robin, like, where are we? In November, and I was more specifically saying, "What do you think is going to happen in the elections? Who's going to win the presidency? Who's going to win the you know the majorities in the Congress and so forth?" 
And so I said to Robin, um, you know, where are we going to be in November? And she paused and she thought about it and she said, you know, it's going to sound crazy, but I think we are in the end times. And I paused for about, I don't know, a moment and then said, you know, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. I'm not suggesting that, you know, by within the next two years, uh, you know, we're literally going to experience the rapture and Armageddon will happen um, because those are end times things. But I, I said, you're not crazy for feeling that way because everything that has gone into building this glorious uh, civilization known as Western civilization and more specifically the United States version of it with our culture, everything that has gone into making us the most successful, and success can be defined in a lot of ways, of course, but the most successful and, to me, the most um, beneficial, because we have we have been the benefactors of the rest of the world, but made us this glorious country, all of those things are right now being chipped away at and are and are kind of falling apart. And when those structural, foundational things are collapsed then the whole thing comes crashing down and those are the end times right this is the point what i said to you in the last segment about china chinese communists are buying up millions of acres of u.s farmland and they're choosing it strategically it's farmland that is very near u.s military installations coupling that with thousands upon thousands of illegal alien chinese crossing our southern border because joe biden is allowing them here along with everyone else um what does the u.s look like if and when that attack from within is carried out and then is followed up by the attack from the outside once we are weakened enough from the inside. And when I say attack, I mean in every form, militarily, uh, uh, structurally, um, in, in, terms of our, in terms of our institutions and our infrastructure, all of it would be in jeopardy. All right? Would that not feel like we're living in the end times? If you couldn't go out of your house without Chinese military in your streets directing you on where you can and cannot go you do know how they treat their people they welded them into their homes they welded their doors shut during covid so that their lockdown was truly a lockdown would that not seem like the end times to you if we didn't have the freedom that we have now and we couldn't speak out you speak out in that kind of a realm Look what's happening in another in another communist dictatorship. Did you or did you not see the story? And I'm getting a little bit off track here, but I'll come back. I promise this is worth it. Did you or did you not see the story of a Russian uh, uh, national who donated fifty dollars to a Ukrainian um, charity to a Ukrainian charity? Gave fifty dollars to this Ukrainian charity and has been arrested and locked up for treason against Russia. I'm not making this stuff up. Would you not, if that's the way things were conducted here in the United States, think we are in the end times? We are literally, you know, you know, just like a rocket ship just 
steamrolling toward uh, toward the end of, of, of human or at least American civilization. That's what it would feel like. So getting back to this now, the point that I'm making, the culture that we have set for ourselves um, is is one of the very first things that, that is attacked in order to break down the greatness of America. And what is the... What, what are those building blocks? We talk about this uh, frequently. What are the building blocks of the American culture? Um, the nuclear family is the building block of American culture. Breaking it apart is crucial to be able to crumble the United States from within. You have to turn people against one another, and it starts with turning children against their parents. Okay? If you break up, and this is one of the things that I always remember from the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. You remember the founders of Black Lives Matter um, did an interview. It was revealed where they talked about who they are and what they are. This isn't about racial justice or restorative justice for, for black people in America to make up for slavery and this and that or the other. They admitted what we are is we are Marxists, trained Marxists. And as part of our cultural Marxism, we disrupt the nuclear family in order to break up Western civilization. They say it out loud, and now we see it in practice, the breakup of the nuclear family. Two headlines for you this morning on this regard. in this regard. Utah school districts discourage teachers from informing parents of student transitions. Two Utah School districts are encouraging staff to conceal students' gender transitions from parents according to internal documents. This isn't something they broadcast. This is something they try to keep private as far as their agenda. But it was leaked by a whistleblower. Policy manuals obtained by the National Review distributed to the teachers and staff by the Nebo and Alpine school districts instruct teachers and staff to not notify parents or guardians if a student asks to be referred to by a name other than their own or pronouns other than that which uh, represent them. Nebo instructs staff to heed the ACLU's guidance in this effort, which is, quote, very protective of a student's right to privacy in his or her sexuality and adds that school employees should only notify parents if a situation exists in which the student might be in danger. Mom, dad, your student has a right, your child has a right to be private from you, but not from us. We can know every intimate secret about whatever mental or psychological or emotional issue that your kid is going through, and you have no right to know know about it. We'll handle it. Stay in your lane, mom and dad. Cook the food. Make the money, clothe the kid, and leave the rest to us. This is what far too many of the radical members of the American educational system believe. One of them, you recall, not terribly long ago, uh, pointed out that a parent's rights end at the school door. When the kid crosses from the, you know, from one side to the other, from outside, the parents can be in charge. Once they get into the school building, parents' rights now end. The school will take it from here. 
And who is the school? Who are the school? Who make up the school administrators, the school board members, the school, the uh, school's faculty and staff, the teachers, the radical leftist teachers who adhere to so many principles of the very Marxism that Black Lives Matter bragged about? Radical. They believe that parents shouldn't have the rights to raise their kids. You just house them, clothe them, and feed them. We will do the uh, the nurturing and up, bring them up in, uh, into the manner in which we see fit. That's headline one from Utah. Headline two is a little closer. It's just next door in Indiana. I mentioned this to you yesterday, but now we have more details on it. A Catholic couple in Indiana has had their child removed from their home by the state because the parents refused to play the fantasy games that their child wanted to play, meaning the child wanted to be called by a different name and to be referred to by different pronouns. The parents said, no, not going to be doing that. You're not a boy or a girl. Uh, You are what you actually are, and I'm not exactly certain of the sex of the child. Oh, I guess I am. I beg your pardon. It's a son who wanted to use uh, pronouns for females uh, or for plurals or for whatevers. And the parents said, no, not going to be doing that. We're not, we're not playing this game. We're not going to, if you're confused, we'll, we'll deal with it, but we're not going to know. We're not going to be, quote-unquote, affirming this bizarre psychological condition that you are you know, presenting with. The state of Indiana said, then, you can't raise those kids. Your parental rights are terminated. Kids are being removed from the home. The uh, the Catholic couple in Indiana is now asking the Supreme Court to hold the state accountable for keeping that child out of their home, for declining to use his made-up name and his made-up pronouns. MC and JC versus Indiana Department of Child Services. MC and JC are Mary and Jeremy Cox, and they have appealed to the Supreme Court after they were investigated by Indiana officials for refusing to use those pronouns. Um, the case is being pursued on behalf of the Coxes uh, by, and I guess Beckett must be a legal firm here. I'm trying to piece this all together. Pursuing the case on behalf of the Coxes, arguing state courts allowed Indiana to keep the child from living in the parents' home to due to disagreement with the child's gender identity because of their religious beliefs. Now, I should stop right there and say, end of story. That should be it. The parents have the right, under the First Amendment, remember I mentioned that a few minutes ago about speech? The other part or another part of the First Amendment, of course, is the freedom to practice religion. And that means to raise your child within your religion. We could end the discussion right now. And hopefully the Supreme Court will do that too. But that's it. Due to the parents' religious beliefs, that ought to be enough. But just in case it's not, let's continue. Upon completing the investigation, the state determined the allegations of abuse against Mary and Jeremy were unsubstantiated. And again, I'll pause and say, how in the world is telling a little boy, yes, you're really a little boy, no, we're not going to call you they, them, or XA, or XE, or Z, or Z, or anything else, but we're going to call you he and him, and we're going to call you who you are and what you are. How on earth would that have been 
uh, grounds for uh, allegations of abuse in the first place, but somebody filed an abuse complaint with the Indiana Department of Child Services. The state determined that the charges were, or the allegations were unsubstantiated, but still argued that the disagreement over gender identity was distressing to the child and that he should be removed from the home so that his stress could be uh could be uh, 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 mi- impacted or 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 mitigated Lori Wyndham vice president senior counsel at the law firm told Fox News that no parent should ever have to endure what Mary and Jeremy have been forced to go through. That's an understatement. Quote, keeping a child away from a loving parent because of their religious beliefs. And see, and this is, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little, again, a little bit off on a tangent here. As I said a moment ago, the First Amendment protects your, your religious beliefs and your, your right to practice your religion. And that means to raise your kids within your religion and your religious um, tenets, right? But, but here's the other part of this. Religion doesn't even have to play a factor here. They could be avowed atheists, and they still have a right to raise their kid as the boy or the girl that they are, biologically, and to not play games with this psychological babble that is going on all over this country right now. And to not say, oh, okay, well, we'll affirm you to the point where we put you on what? Drugs that chemically castrate you? All in preparation for cutting your your genitalia off when you're 18? No parent is going to want to do, well, I shouldn't say no parent, no reasonable and responsible parent would would ever consider doing that. Indiana is saying, no, that's what you have to do if you want to keep this kid. Prepare him for chemical castration, cross sex hormones, and eventual bodily mutilation because he's a confused little kid today. Even when the state admits there was no abuse or neglect, it's wrong and it's against the law. The court should take this case and make make it clear that other states cannot take children away from their parents because of ideological disagreements here, here. In 2019, Mary and Jeremy's son told them that he wanted to identify as a girl. But again, and they're using this language in line with their Catholic religious beliefs, and it shouldn't take Catholicism or Christianity or anything else or Judaism or any religion to to say no, um, that that's not going to happen here. But if they want to, if they want to include their faith as part of this, fine. But their Catholic religious beliefs that God created human beings with an immutable sex, male or female, and did not believe in referring to him as with pronouns and a name inconsistent with his biology. In addition. The Coxes believed that their son was struggling with an underlying mental health condition, including an eating disorder. So they went and did what they should do. They sought psycho- psychological therapeutic care for their kid. Any kid who's got an eating disorder doesn't go to the doctor to get um, liposuction done. A kid with an eating disorder goes to a psychotherapist to get psychological therapeutic treatment. And the same thing is true with this this uh, this identification nonsense. In 2021, however, Indiana officials began investigating the Coxes after a report found that they were not referring to their child by his preferred gender identity, removing the then t- then by that time teenager from their custody and placing him in a quote gender affirming home. In other words, a foster family that will indeed uh, support his. Uh, bodily mutilation and the steps being taken toward that. 
I ask you, who's abusing the child here? The state of Indiana or the parents? Despite the unsubstantiated claims of abuse, they claim the Cox has made the child's eating disorder worse because they wouldn't call him a girl. This is what every parent is afraid of, said Mary and Jeremy Cox in their press release. We love our son and wanted to care for him. But the state of Indiana robbed us of that opportunity by taking him from our home and banning us from speaking to him about gender. We are hopeful that the justices will take our case and protect other parents from having to endure the nightmare that we have. When the case was first heard in trial court, by the way, Indiana officials argued the child should be in a home where she is accepted for who she is. The state of Indiana calls him a she and said they know better than mom and dad what should be done with a confused kid with a psych disorder. They restricted the Cox's visitation time to a few hours once a week, then barred them from speaking to him about their religious views when they did see him on sexuality and gender identity. Even though the court determined the Coxes were fit parents, it upheld the removal of their child, which was later upheld by the appeals court. If this can happen in Indiana, it can happen anywhere, said the attorney. Tearing a child away from loving parents because of their religious beliefs, which are shared by millions of Americans, is an outrage to the law, parental rights, and basic human decency. If the Supreme Court doesn't take this case, how many times will this happen to other families? Spot on. 100% exactly right. Again, with the possible exception of even needing to say their religious beliefs, how about just their common sense human recognition of the fact that there are two sexes, and if you are a biological male in every facet of the word, but your brain, for some reason, probably due to the brainwashing, the indoctrination, the social-emotional counseling, and, and, and all of the rest of the nonsense going on in the schools, if there is a psychological disorder, then it needs to be treated with psychological therapy. Psychological disorders are not treated with bodily mutilations. That's just the reality of it. You shouldn't need to be a Catholic to know that. You shouldn't need to be a Christian or a person of faith of any kind that believes that God made us. Just people are what they are born as, period, what they have always been. So stepping back out now to view this from a higher uh, vantage point, this particular case is emblematic of the culture of the moment. The government is doing everything they can to, on this story and then the Utah story and many others I've presented through the days, weeks, and months, and years, particularly the last two, three years. But um, the government is doing it its level best to undermine the both the role and the rights of the parents in America. We will take on the role of caregiver. You just provide, again, the nourishment to keep them alive, the clothes to keep them warm, and the roof over their heads to keep them dry. We'll do the rest. We'll nurture. We'll educate. We'll teach. We'll, 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 we'll promote and, and uh, insert our values and our morals and what we believe they should think. ERT will make your little white kids uh, feel feel. You know what's hilarious about this? Again, they're talking about the you know psychological condition of the child. What is the psychological condition of children, little white kids, who are told that they should be ashamed of what they look like because somebody else who looked like them once held slaves? 
when you're talking about psychological conditioning. But at any rate, we'll teach your kids what they need to be taught. We will in, insert into their mindset and into their, and into their psyches what we believe should be inserted. You have no role in this. This is the goal. And if you refuse to coordinate or, excuse me, to uh, co- cooperate uh, with what we are doing, we will take them away from you. There is a concerted effort to undermine the role of parents and the rights of parents to raise their kids as just normal kids. All right. We'll take a time out here. Top of the hour. 216-901-0945. To get a complimentary copy of Dave's book and a complimentary consultation, call 877-GAINS-4-U or mortagefinancial.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. All right, eight minutes after 10 o'clock. Hour two is underway. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, the 21st morning of the month of division, known by some as February, in the year of our Lord, 2024. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, We are wide open. Uh, I've got a lot of issues on the table, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, President Trump's town hall meeting last night, I thought, went very, very well for him. He had one trip up, one mistake, one... I don't even know if I'm going to call it a mistake. What do we call it? When he just... It takes, I don't know, indefensible, in my view, stands on things like what happened uh, in, in Russia. Vladimir Putin is a murderous ex-KGB agent who um, essentially murdered a political opponent that he jailed. Just like he is jailing uh, a Russian citizen or a Russian citizen who sent $50 to Ukrainian charity uh, locking locking this person up and charging her with treason for crying out loud, and just like he's holding an American journalist hostage, he led a British or British, he let a um, uh, uh, a lesbian basketball player go uh, after you know being caught with drugs in a Russian airport. Uh, but the journalist that they've accused of spying has been held there now for a calendar year. March 23rd will be a full year when uh, this journalist is being held. But Vladimir Putin's a bad dude, and he got and he killed. Um, you know, an, an opponent. That's just the reality of it. He killed an opponent, worked him to death in a labor camp, in a in, a, in an Arctic labor camp, and then said, oh, he just uh, had a died suddenly moment. Yeah, died suddenly because you literally worked him to death, and his body apparently had bruises. He was beaten to death. Pretty brutal thing. And everybody in the uh, American media and the American political sphere is calling it for what it is, except for President Trump. And I just think this is, these are unforced errors that have to stop. Uh, I won't dwell on this, but last night in his um, in his uh, um, town hall, I keep wanting to say press conference, it was a town hall, uh, he said that the New York civil fraud case that he is facing and the unconscionable $355 million fine that was levied against him is a form of Navalny. Navalny, of course, is the name of the uh, individual, uh, Alexei Navalny, who was killed uh, in prison at the age of 47. It's simply brutal. But he said, this is a form of Navalny. It's a form of communism or fascism. The guy is a nut job. I have known this for a long time. He's talking about the judge. I have known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. 
No jury, no anything. Letitia James is a horrible attorney general in New York, campaigned on. I will get Trump. I will get Trump. We went through a trial. It turned out we're totally innocent on everything, and he fined me $355 million plus interest and other things. End quote. He's right about every word of that, except for calling it a form of Navalny. Condemn Navalny's murder and move on with it. That's it. Condemn it. Say Putin did it. Uh, it is is unacceptable. Uh, it's an example of what we're fighting. Communism will never be allowed here, etc. All he's got to do is say those things, but he won't. And it just gives fuel to the fire for the other side. Uh, so, again, we won't dwell on it, but it is a reality. Uh, yesterday, or last night, I should say, he had a very, 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 very strong ta- town hall that I think inspired a lot of people, save for that one line, save for that one issue. He has not been Navalnyed. He has been Letitia'd. He has been, he has been, uh, uh, Erger, uh, uh, Erg, uh, Engerons. That's the judge's name. He has been Engeroned. He has been Jamesed. He has been, uh, bragged. He has been Jack Smith. He has been a lot of things by this ridiculous, ongoing lawfare persecution and prosecution of him. But he has not been Navalnyed. So let's, uh, let's, let's be careful about that. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We want to talk about the Indiana parents who had their kids taken away. What would you do? Asking seriously. If you're a parent, you've got young kids now. Or maybe you're a grandparent, and so you can speak to this. What, how would you handle it if your kid had his brain twisted inside out by the radical blue-haired teachers that they have at their school with rainbow flags all over the classrooms, telling them to pick their pronouns, wearing badges that say what their pronouns are, telling them that it doesn't have to be something mommy and daddy know about. It can be our secret, but if you don't think you're a boy, and if you really think you're a girl, shh. Just just whisper it to me. If your kid is mind warped by one of these schools or your grandkid and comes home and says, call me she and her and call me, you know, Alice instead of Alex. What do you do? What would you do? I think the responsible thing would be to talk to the, the child yourself just to see exactly where this came from. Then maybe determine if this is something that is going to be very, very temporary, silly thing, just like when you once thought you were Spider-Man and thought you were shooting webs out of your wrists, but you weren't, um, see how long it lasts. If it turns out to be something that is is dragging out and more severe than you thought, what would the most responsible thing you as a parent could do? I would imagine you would take your child to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, a, a, a psychological therapist for evaluation, and for therapy, would you race your kid down to the clinic to order up some puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones? Because that's what they wanted these parents in Indiana to do. It's all a part of breaking up the family. But I would, I'm interested in what you would do. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Andy is in uh, Middleburg Heights. Andy, thanks for your patience. I know you've been there a while. Go right ahead, Andy. Boy, I, I don't know how you do this show, but you got a hell of a lot of nerve for talking common sense. You're one of the few gentlemen on the radio that talks common sense. That's why I think you got such a huge following. And you're talking about these teachers, blue-haired teachers. These are blue-haired teachers are probably in their 50s and 60s who warped their minds. 
to get them to do this to our kids. I mean, you're not talking about some 20, 30-year-old teachers. You're talking about older people who are teaching our kids this. This is sick. The only thing, I, I, I at 82 years old, I, I can't believe what's going on in this world. And I, I, I just make a, a couple of statements, and I'll, I'll be off, off out of your way. But with this, going through all this stuff, it's time for America America, not Republican, Democrat, or Americans, get together as Americans, get down on your knees. What you said about the end times, you're spot on. Look at the Bible. Anybody that, you don't have to be a, a, a rock and roll holy roller. Look at the Bible and talk to anybody who is a good priest and they'll tell you, we're close to the end times. And it's it's coming, and I, I can't believe that, that that we can take Salamani in the middle of a desert and vaporize them, but we can't take out Soros and Gates and the rest of them to put a stop to this. This is where it's coming from. Everybody's being bought off for money. Teachers, politicians. Judges, everybody's being bought off for money. Money was the root of all evil. It's in the Bible. And, and we're going to hell real fast unless we get down on our knee. And why in the world are they going after Trump and Biden for their classified papers? Why don't they go after Obama? He's the start of this. He was, he's, his, his daughters are uh, dating Soros' kids. The grandkids, he, their daughter, Obama. It's time to get Obama. What about eight years of classified papers that he had put in his library with nobody's allowed to touch him for 20 years? And any, any one of those, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to mix up all the stuff, but please just give me your opinion. To, to, so I, I don't mean to be ranting like this crazy. No, but. you're doing fine. You're doing fine, Andy. It's, it's a good rant. It's a good rant. I want to let you finish, though, before I responded. So uh, if you got anything else? No, 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 sir. Just if you would respond okay. to any one of those, I, I would be thankful, and I'm sure the rest of your audience would. And I think you got your audience is the only reason they're listening to you is because they've got common sense like you do. And don't please don't stop using common sense because that's what's going to get us through this if we get through this. If we there you go. That's a big word right there. The biggest word in the English language is only two letters long. If. If we survive it, here's what we're going to have to do. So I agree with you, Andy. Andy, Let's thanks. Get down for... on our knees, then, as Americans, not as Republicans, Democrats, and pray that that God hears us and and gives us a little bit more time. And and thank you for letting me spout off. You got it. Thank you for the call, Andy. I appreciate it. First of all, um, as far as Obama and documents, you know, he said that's where it started. It didn't start. Come to find out. Uh, Biden has been taking and stealing and confiscating and holding on to classified documents for years, going back to his time in the Senate, not just his time as vice president. That is um, that is a monumental uh, factor in all of this, which is one of the things that made the decision by special counsel Robert Hur to not bring charges against him so egregious. You know, he did not have the classification, or I'm sorry, the power to declassify any documents when he was a senator, did not have the power to do it when he was a vice president, now has the power to do it as president, but he did all of these things in his previous positions, uh, and, and he, that, that even predates Obama. So your point about Obama, you know, nobody has talked about anything having to do with classified documents that he is not allowed to possess uh, unless he did declassify them. But I will say this, whatever is being held in the library, you're saying that's been, you know, uh, uh, closed, ordered closed for 20 years or what have you. If he did declassify them under his you know, his uh, uh, position of president of the United States, then it's going to hold the same power that it does with Donald Trump.
who claims, and I think accurately so, that he did have the power to declassify everything that he took. Um, you know, and, and that is different than Joe Biden, who, of course, had no such powers as vice president and prior to that senator. As far as the end times, you're exactly right. Um, as I talked about with Robin yesterday, and uh, you know, we'll probably play some of that interview for you next week, but it'll be on TV on Strictly Speaking uh, with Robin Swoboda. But yeah, we did talk about the end times, and I do see a lot of the things, a lot of the indications are there that we are close to it. <clears throat> And again, I mean, that doesn't mean I think fire, fire and brimstone is going to start you know, raining down upon us in the next you know, year or two. But I mean, we are in a period. You know, what are the end times is another really great question. What are the end times? Are they, is, is, it a, is it a period of time that is six months long, that is a year long, that is two years long? The end times could be a century. We could be in the midst of an end times that won't see its full-on conclusion until you know, 2020, uh, uh, 2100. I don't know that, of course. I'm just, I, I, it's, it's a matter of view, like when did the end times begin? When do they come full, uh, you know, full scale? I don't know. But I do feel like what is being done to kids, what is being done to families, what is being done to that which built this civilization right now is if you're trying to destroy a civilization that has been a force for good, you are by your very nature trying to create a civilization that is a force for evil or you are trying to destroy the civilization that was built as a force for good, thus allowing evil to reign. So is that what end times looks like? If it does, then yes, I agree with you. We are in uh, a period of whatever that larger picture looks like of the end times. Charlie is in Brownhelm Township. Township, I can say it. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, Yeah, hi, Bob. This, This may sound politically incorrect. But I believe our nation is, it's the national security is at threat with all this gender stuff. And the reason I'm going to pause it is that traditionally and historically gays and women and children are, are universally cowards. They'll run away when there's danger. They'll scream. Children, women, gay, they, and, you know, I'm a history teacher. I, I took ma- master's level of all of Rome at the University of Toronto. And one of the big things that professor said was that the gays, took over the officer corps of the Roman Empire, but the rank and file didn't, and they would not fight for those gay officers. And that's one of the big contributors to the fall. And so so don't Navaldi, Navaldi me, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that's interesting. That history about the Roman Empire, I, I did not, I did not know that part of it. I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff as well, and I know a bit about the Roman Empire, and I don't know a bit about how it was run and what led to its ultimate fall. But uh, that's interesting. I did not know that part of it. Yeah. So you know, this is what we're going through. Our society, we are in end times, but the end times may have started, you know, the day after Jesus when he was resurrected. You know, we're it's a two thousand to God, it's a, a minute. So two thousand years is nothing. But we do feel it. We feel that you know it's coming to a climax where you know just just logically our society cannot hold together when all of its seams are torn apart. So yeah, that's where I, we're I at. think that's I think that's fair to say. And you know the the reality uh, of it is that there have always been evil things going on beneath the surface, even if they weren't readily apparent or observable by by the rest of us. Meaning, even during times of good and plenty, if you will, 
uh, to to use that euphemism, where where you know things are relatively peaceful. There have always been wars going on, in t- uh, times when things are relatively prosperous, there have always been people starving. In times where there has generally been low crime, there are victims of violent crime. There is always bad things going on that, to some, would appear to be in time worthy, uh, if you will, even during the great times. But when you look at where we are now, Charlie, and, and compare it to some of those historical times, the the, the um, similarities are too strong for us to, to just ignore and say, well, there's always a little bit of bad going on, even in times of good. Right now, if you look up and down uh, at, at all of the... Uh, metrics, if you will, by which we measure good times versus bad times, much less getting on toward end times, um, it is overwhelming. The number of negatives far outweigh the positives at this moment in time, and that's what makes it a little bit different from all of those previous times where, like I said, even in good times, there are still hard times for many. This is uh, this is much different than that because it's, you know, like I said, if you were to create a side-by-side checklist or a uh, you know, a comparison of good versus bad. Right now, there are far more worse things or far worse things going on than there are on the other side of the ledger. Yeah, and there's always been bad times that gotten worse. And as a born-again, I believe that we could have a revival. People could turn back to Jesus. That's what I pray for. But if not, yeah, we're, we're you know, it's Sodom and Gomorrah time. You know, God, God is not to be mocked. Yeah, well, you know, you're right. I mean, uh, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for things that are far less uh, um, uh, sinful, I think, than what's going on right now, uh, particularly because it involves our children much more than it ever, ever did during that time. I mean, uh, you know, that's just, uh, that's just, again, we have to look at, and I'm not even talking about looking at this through a biblical lens. Uh, when we talk about the end times, even though that's where it originates, if we just look at it even from a secular point of view, what society could say that they are on the right path or the right track when they have used their children in such ways to achieve deviancy and self-gratification and, and all kinds of other things with the sexualization of little children. And this, again, is something that is not new. It's been going on for a very long time. There have always been people like this. But, Charlie, now... It is being mainstreamed. Now they are trying to normalize it. And instead of seeing it with the shame and the sin that it is and calling it pedophilia and demonizing pedophiles, they're calling it, well, minor attracted persons uh, and, and, and just alternative sexualities. Uh, you know, and attractions can come in many forms. They're trying to normalize it. And that's what makes this, again, if we are you know, steamrolling toward end times. That's what, you know, that's another symptom of it. And you touched the word. You said the word. It's sin. It's basically sin. Mankind is a sinful thing and uh, of ultimately at least to death. So we can pray for our country, though. We have to pray for it. We better. Absolutely right. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's, um, again, I'm not qualified to preach um, and I'm not a biblical scholar. I can't quote you chapters and verses the way biblical scholars can, those who study it. And it can tell you exactly what lines are in what particular verse, or it can tell you the reverse. You give them a, a line, and they'll, they'll, they'll tell you the verse. Um, but I do know what the end times are. I do know what the Bible calls for, or rather uh, tells you is coming. And what Charlie said is true. Uh, a thousand years is a blink to God 
It's 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 you know, or the two thousand plus years since Christ. Um, it's it's no it's nothing. It, it, you know, it, it's a blink in time to God. And all we have is, you know, if we're lucky, we have eighty or ninety years on this earth. You know, I think the average lifespan is in the seventies, um, which of course is an even quicker blink. So it's hard for us to say it went from here to there, from times of happiness and prosperity to the end times killing it all in just the span of our lifetimes, which is like such a nothing. We are such gnats in the grand scheme of things. And our time on this earth is such a, I mean, I I wish I could think of something faster than a blink, but it is. It's like a nanosecond of all time. And to think that just in the time we're on the earth, we're going to go into the end times might sound insane. What are the odds that it happens during our time on this earth and not 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, or 1,000 years from now? What are the odds? Probably pretty long. But yet, when you look at what is happening to the culture and the shift we have seen just in our little nanosecond of time, it sure feels that way, doesn't it? Your local state health insurance program to get information on all of your options. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France at the end. Okay, it's uh, 1037. I, I want to, if you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming right to you, I promise. But I want to hit you with this quickly um, as a follow-up on the end times conversation. Let's not say that the end time conversation is done. It's not at all. But tell me that. tell me this doesn't raise your eyebrow. And make you ponder for a moment what exactly the end time will look like. The end times will look like. There's an organization called ICANN, which is the Informed Consent Action Network. The Informed Consent Action Network essentially exists to try to stop the forced medication of a population of people. That no one should be forced to take experimental drugs or medications or vaccines. Um against their will, and particularly without informing them of everything and every possibility that could come with such a, such a, uh, you know, a, a medication. You have to know what's going on, and you have to be able to give informed consent to those things. That's why the organization exists. Last week, one week ago today, as a matter of fact, Steve Kirsch made me aware of this. Steve Kirsch uh, is a vaccine researcher and one of the wealthiest men on the planet, by the way. I interviewed him for uh, Strictly Speaking last week. Um, and in fact, isn't that today? Didn't that drop today? I think that's today's episode of Strictly Speaking. If you watch my show on uh, Roku or Plex TV or TCL TV, or if you're a subscriber at True Blue. But, but I interviewed Steve, and Steve posted about this um, last week. And I just, I'm just now getting to bringing it to your attention. It seems to fit with the End Times conversation here. What I can... The Informed Consent Action Network has uncovered is a potentially next level threat to all of us. Now, if you are a believer, as I am, that those RNA shots that they forced into millions and millions and millions of arms uh, and then followed up with millions of boosters and so on and so forth, that these are not just not safe and effective, which is what they told they were, they told us they were but that they are potentially lethal and that it and that those shots literally end up killing scores of people and never being recorded as deaths from these RNA shots 
certainly tens, if not hundreds of millions of people have suffered adverse events that were short of fatal. But if you believe that, and I do, and it makes you think that there's no way I'm ever taking one of these, you know, hysterical, there's a massive worldwide pandemic thing going on here, and here's the, here's the antidote. We've got it for you. It's in, a, it's in needle form. Roll up your sleeve. We got this, like we did last time. And if that makes you think, no way am I going through that again. I survived this one. I'm not taking my chances. I don't trust it. I don't trust the global governance, much less the U.S. government. I don't believe in it. No, not doing it. Not unless it's a proven vaccine, one that has been tried and tested for five or ten years, and we see long-term effects of those in the study, those who are the control group, those who are in the active group, the whole nine yards. Randomized controlled studies for long-terms, or I'm not touching it. Tell me it's not end times worthy to say you might not have a choice. And I don't mean take the jab or lose your job kind of a choice, which is what we did with this last one. But if you breathe in and out, you are participating. Because what ICANN has discovered is an inhalable, self-spreading vaccine that they are working on that would spread to other people like the virus would. A new class of encrypted RNA vaccines are being developed where the RNA would piggyback onto an existing wild virus and spread from person to person without any person's knowledge or consent. It might sound like science fiction. It is far from that, however. Two companies involved in this research have received millions of dollars from the federal government A study using this technology on hamsters and the SARS-CoV-2 virus has already been completed, and a Phase 1 trial on humans is in the works. Let me say that one again. A Phase 1 trial on humans is in the works. This is not science fiction. This is real. ICANN's attorneys have already sent legal demands to all government agencies involved, and If you're thinking, ah, it's some conspiratorial group, some conspiracy theory, it's nonsense. I mean, this is all just, you know, uh, fear porn, and and you're just trying to turn people against the government and so on and so forth. Well, let's see. Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health published back in 2018. Catch that? Six years ago. This article. This is Johns Hopkins, one of the premier medical centers in the world. Back on October 9th of 2018, published, and uh, I quote the headline, Center for Health Security Report highlights 15 emerging, emerging technologies with potential to reduce global catastrophic biological risks. Among those 15, this, self-spreading vaccines. What is the technology? Self-spreading vaccines, also known as transmissible or self-propagating vaccines, are generally engineered in more uh, uh, through populations in the same way as communicable, communicable diseases. But rather than causing disease, they confer protection. This is the way the story goes. There are two main types of self-spreading vaccines. Um, And if you'll bear with me for a moment, I've got a little bit of a fade on this particular article. Here it is. There are two main types of self-spreading vaccines, 
recombinant vector vaccines and live viral vaccines. Recombinant vector vaccines combine the elements of a pathogenic virus that induce immunity, removing the portion that causes disease, with transmissible virus viral vectors. Uh, cytomegalovirus is one candidate vector. I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this. Highly species-specific, yeah, that, that's too much in-depth on it. But I'll close with this part. In the event of a grave public health threat, self-spreading vaccines could potentially be used to broadly inoculate the human population. So I'm going to state the obvious here. If any one of these vaccines was completely safe and effective, it would be one thing. They told us that the shots we were supposed to take, the poison darts, were safe and effective. They're not. They're neither safe nor effective. They went from 100% effective at stopping you from getting the virus and stopping you from spreading the virus to 95% effective at that, to 90% to 85 to 80 to 75 to pretty much, well, it's not going to stop you from getting it or spreading it, but it's going to lessen the symptoms. They had to change the entire medical um, um, glossary of terms and redefine what vaccine means and vaccinate means and inoculate means and and so forth. But let's just say for the sake of it, for the sake of discussion, that this was done on a long trial basis with human study, uh, human beings, in a, in a long five- and ten-year study to see not only what the short-term effects were, but the long-term effects as well, Right? And then they said, yes, we have proven that it is safe and it is effective and there are no harmful side effects or the harmful side effects are so small that it's minimal and the risk-reward here definitely favors the reward side. If they did that and then said, we're going to disperse this in the general population, we would still be having our rights violated. This technology, as I point out, this was written about by Johns Hopkins in 2018. Now here we are in 2020, and Steve Kirsch is pointing out that this has finally found its way to the, um, you know, to the uh, civil rights protection organizations. I don't know what else to call the human rights. Um, our rights to decide what we do with our body, what we take in our body, the medical freedom advocates, and so forth. ICANN is now demanding government uh, agencies come forward with all documentation of what they have already done, what they are planning to do, what this could look like, and whether or not this is going to be what they release upon the world in response to what is being called Disease X. If you ask me, and this is just my personal opinion, if you're looking for the end times, look for a global pandemic that is worse than COVID, and this is what they're saying, and they, they mentioned this at the last uh, gathering of all of the evil minds in the uh, globalist corporations and globalist uh, uh, organizations, COP28. If they release or if they you know, prepare for an unintended release of something called Disease X, which is supposedly be much more lethal than um, than a COVID-19. And then they say the traditional vaccine models that have been used will be ineffective against it. They will in absolute, you can absolutely bank on this, say, in the interest of preserving and protecting as much human life as possible, we are going to introduce this inhalable um, vaccine and you don't have to go and take it like an inhaler like a you know like an asthma patient does to put you know press the low it's just just breathe you're going to breathe around other people who have it 
and they're going to uh, infect you with first the virus and then second its vaccine. <clears throat> no more roll up your arms or sleeves rather. No more shots in arms. No more uh, you know take the jab or lose your job. You just take it because you're breathing. If you go out in public, you're going to take it because it's going to be introduced as a transmissible inhalant vaccine. If re- if releasing upon the world disease X doesn't sound like end times, releasing something that you cannot help but take by simply breathing, that is end times. Because if they can, let's just for the sake of the conversation... Let's suggest that it is truly an intended positive purpose, that it's not nefarious, that they really do have a vaccine that in its inhalable form will kill the virus in you that is killing people. And it's really good. Let's just presume positive uh, intent. We are still in a very, very, very dangerous, precarious situation. Why? Because the next one might not be. If the technology can exist to make us breathe in a vaccine that is supposedly good for us, if it exists and it's in good hands, it is only a matter of moments, probably, before that technology exists in the hands of evil. And somebody, thing, or some corporation, or some organization, or some, you know, climate nut organization that believes that the earth shouldn't be so overpopulated because it's killing the planet and wants to kill human beings, they're going to get the technology, have it in their hands, and they're going to release something that you can't help but breathe in as long as you are out in public that is going to take you out. Tell me this doesn't sound like end times type stuff. We're messing with nature. We're messing with God. We're messing with what God put here for us. And that if we breathe, we are automatically exposed to all of these things. So I'm sorry. I know that was a very, very long story, but it's a very serious story, and I hope you're aware of it. Um, Joanne in Twinsburg. Hi, Joanne. Go ahead. Now that you've completely freaked me out, (laughs) not that I wasn't already, I want Sorry. to get back to this Mark <laughs> to this Mark Stein thing. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned you, you disagree with someone and you get sued. Yes. Did you see that E. Jean Carroll's attorneys are thinking about suing Trump again because he said in a speech at a rally, I still don't know who she is. I still, you know, I don't know. Yes. You know, I mean, I don't get it. Now they're going to go after him again. I mean, this is like becoming complete and total pile on. You know, well, it, it, it became that a long time ago. There's some crazy that'll let it happen. There's some yeah. crazy jury who would award her more money. I mean, when does it end, Bob? I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I just truthfully, don't understand. Truthfully? When he drops out? Well, maybe. I mean, really. Yeah, I think he, he was right he last night. He was right. He, he, he said it. It's yeah. his point. None of this he said, if I wasn't, wasn't running, running, there would be no charges against me for the documents. There would be no charges against me for uh, for anything, quite frankly. There would be no civil civil file, uh, suit against me for uh, overvaluing my property. Everything that, that is happening to him right now is an attempt to stop him from being president. If he was not running for president, no one would have filed a thing. I believe that. I mean, you know, but it's like you said yesterday, you know, every time you say you don't agree with someone, you get sued. 
Yeah. I mean, now they want to, you know, make us inhale a vaccine. Pretty soon people are going to lock themselves up in their homes and never leave. And that's what they want, too. They don't want us communicating. No, they don't. And they do. They want yeah. people absolutely isolated. When you're isolated, you do not have any, uh, any, any desire, quite frankly, for, uh, for, you know, in other words, over time, you, you, you would not know what it was like to be sociable. You will not know what it was like to go out and do entertainment things and to be in being crowds and to enjoy things like that. You will get used to your existence as an isolated individual and they, you will be completely under the thumb and under the control of very, very powerful people whose only desire is to exhibit that power over you. It's literally Literally all they think about. It's getting to so, be time where everybody starts to go off grid here for <laughs> well, forever. Yeah, well, I you mean, know, and, and 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 that's that's not that crazy. That's why you have things like Patriot no, Supply Companies out there. That's the scary part is that we actually think it might actually be a possibility. <laughs> Absolutely, and and you know, and the reality is, if if it takes going off the grid to survive, ninety five percent of humanity will get wiped out because, or be forced to live under the thumb of the government. We're talking about because it, probably less than five percent of the population could live off the grid, could forage for their own food, could hunt and kill their own food, food could build fires, build a you know a, 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 a you know a, a, a method of a, a, a fortress that could be self defended. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to use the word fortress, but that's all I can come up with here but some sort of a a place to live where you can protect because because you know what would happen joanne i'm sorry to interrupt but if you could build one of those and if you could find a way to survive off the grid like that the 95 percent of the people who can't are going to kind of try to come and steal yours they're going to try to take yours away (laughs) because they can't do it on their own this guy built himself a cabin he's got his own self-sustaining but it's because it's not funny yeah he's got his own bunker he's got his own food supplies and i don't so i'm going to take that from him and guess what you better be armed and ready i'll just close with it it's all absolutely ludicrous yeah you know Andy, who called earlier, is another example of it's not about your age. <laughs> I mean, no, I, don't, I agree with you. Yeah, no, you people know, think I mean, that when we attack like, Biden, you know, it's we're attacking the like elderly. DJ we're not. And I don't know how old Norm is, but I'm assuming he's up there. You know. Yeah. Well, we get we get I, calls from we get calls from uh, we get calls from our friend uh, uh, from uh, uh, Shard and John. I think is ninety. Yeah. Um, and, right. and we got a couple of other people in their nineties. Yeah, BJ is right. ninety two or three or something like that. And so, yeah, it's definitely right. not an age God thing. God bless them all. In Biden's case, um, it mean, is a personal lucky, thing because they're not going to be here much longer. Maybe they won't have to see it. Yeah. Well, that's but a good thanks, point. Thanks, Bob. Too. You got it, John. You know. Thanks for the call. Let's go to uh, Derek in um, uh, Richfield. Hi, Derek. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, Bob. So I, I know it's not June yet. It's not, not groom month yet. But um, so I'm just calling a response to what that yeah, horrible story about that um, that family in Indiana and what's going on there. So I, I do have I do have a, something along those lines to share. Um, it's something that happened last year. While it doesn't deal with, uh, you know, CPS, the supposed child protective services. Um, and, and I. You know, I told your call screeners I won't mention any names to be as vague as possible. Um, it's just someone, so someone we know. Um, they have um, they have a daughter the same age as um, as my third daughter, so five years old. And you know, the kids play together. You know, and um, it's someone you know we've known. Um, you know, known her since she was born. You know, you know they'll you know so so watch her growing up now. And um, so just to lay the ground, so. Um, so these folks, it's um, you know, family. They have one daughter together, but the husband he has two teenage girls, two teenage daughters from a previous uh, marriage relationship. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't live with them, but you know, weekends, you know, and you know, you know, the you know, um, they don't live full time, but they come over visit often enough. So, you know, over the, you know, maybe over the past couple years or so, we've noticed the one, you know, hair getting a little shorter with that kind of hairstyle, uh, you know, dressing, you know, dressing um, a little more like a boy. So, you know, it doesn't take, you know, that's kind of obvious. And so one day, um, I go out while the kids are playing and like they normally do, riding their bikes, you know, that kind of thing. And I just go out and she tells me, oh, it's, uh, it's my, it's my brother's, my brother so-and-so's birthday today. And I just stopped and kind of froze. Uh, oh, that's, that's nice. That's great. And, and I'm kind of stunned and I go inside I tell my wife what just happened, and when I go back out, I say, um, say so I, I didn't know you had a brother. I thought you had two sisters. And you could see the wheels turning as she kind of stops and has to think, and then she and, and she says, oh, well, well, she used to be a girl, but now she wants to be a boy. And, and, and then so I, I respond, I say, hey, well, no, that's just pretend. How can that be? That's make-believe. No, that that's not real. Look at the look at the animals. They're only boy and girl animals. No, that's and and, and unfortunately, my my oldest girl uh, or my two older girls they they chime in and yeah that's yeah that's only pretend. That's just a game. That's make believe. And they you know they they I don't know they're th- thankfully you know they chimed in with that. And you know and then we're expecting some you know like a confrontation at some point. That never happened. Like so, this happened last year. Mm-hmm. You know, taking a while just to you know process it, but. Um, but I just have to say, to see, to hear that coming from a five-year-old, I guess I would be less surprised coming from a teenager, but to hear five-year-old, to say something like that, it's, it's like watching, just innocent, I don't know how to explain it, man, You're watching innocent, just being like poisoned, twisted, just to see and hear that, this sweet, innocent child, and to have people fill her mind with lies, I mean, deliberately. Yeah, and, and and knowing that what? that child that child is going to influence other children uh, in into into you know the same thing, and that's the sad reality of it. It is this is why we call it a social contagion. It spreads like a virus, and virus, and it impacts kids, and then these parents who allow it to to uh, to fester and to spread, uh, you know, then and kind of encourage their you know other kids to uh, to accept it and to say this is normal, this can happen, and that's how this kind of thing grows. I've got to go here. I appreciate. To get a complimentary copy of Dave's book and a complimentary consultation, call 877-GAINS-4-U or mortagefinancial.com. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. 
is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed every bit of that. Good morning once again. Hour number three is underway. It's eight minutes after 11 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. It is a Wednesday, the 21st morning of the month of division in the year of our Lord, 2024. Great conversation the last hour or two. Now we want to pivot to a new story. It's, it's kind of a, a continuance, though, of another, of an older story. Uh, as it pertains to what we will and will not allow our kids to do and how we will uh, protect them, particularly our young females. If you have been uh, paying attention, the story, or if you've not been paying attention, I should say, uh, the story that has uh, gone viral of the last couple of days, we talked about it ever so briefly yesterday. Girls basketball game in Massachusetts ended in a forfeit when a team, one of the teams uh, at the KIPP Academy, um, had three of their players injured by a member of the opposing team. And you're probably thinking to yourself, so? That kind of thing happens. What are you going to do? Injuries are a part of sports. It's true, but when you're talking about girls' basketball, um, they're not quite as much of a part of the sport unless there is a six-foot-tall uh, facial hair-having male saying that he's a girl, shoving them around all over the court. And that's exactly what happened. The bench was already depleted uh, when they had, uh, what, a 12-player roster down to eight because of injuries and other things. But then when three of them got hurt in the game, bringing them down to five, I think they saw the handwriting on the wall saying, this guy's going to knock out all of us. And so the girls said, we don't want to play anymore. So they forfeited the game. Now you're wondering, what does this have to do with the story? The story is that girls are under attack that girls' rights to girls' sports, girls' private spaces, girls' restrooms, girls' locker rooms, girls' shower rooms, girls' spaces, they're under attack, and they're under invasion uh, by biological males. And Title IX was supposed to protect them from those kinds of things. Title IX, 50 years plus now old, um, was one of the greatest things to happen to girls to, to give them equal opportunities for sports and other things. And uh, it's now under serious attack by the Biden administration. A new poll, um, 1,600-person strong, that's a very good sample size for polling, shows that a majority of registered voters across the political spectrum now support state laws that would require children to wait until age 18 before they can receive transgender treatments. The controversy came to light in New Hampshire, where a new record was set in the girls' high, going back to the sports, high jump competition by a biological male. So the transgender movement is leading to an invasion of girls' spaces and girls' opportunities, and that can lead to things like scholarships and others, and who is going to push back against it? Who's going to defend Title IX from the rampant uh, uh, attack on it uh, that is being enabled, in, uh, if not supported, by the Biden administration? Well, one of the organizations is SAVE. Uh, it's an organization focused on fairness and due process on college campuses. And joining us to react to all of this is Edward Bartlett uh, from uh, the founder of SAVE. Uh, Edward, thank you for the time this morning. It's good to have you. How are you? Hi, Bob. And that's a wonderful introduction you just gave to the Title IX issues that we're facing right now in America. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's so it's so frustrating, Edward. 
to see what many people believe would be something that just went away, or it's on such a small scale. There's only a small handful full of trans girls, meaning biological males, who are participating in races and so forth. Um, you know, we obviously know what happened with Riley Gaines and the in the swimming situation and the NCAA's, but none of those were contact sports. Now we start seeing things like this basketball game. Now we start seeing things like lacrosse and and uh, and, and biological males are going into contact sports, and basketball can absolutely be a contact sport, and they're hurting girls. And we're supposed to just look the other way and say, yeah, but at least this person is having their gender identity affirmed. Yeah, this is so insane. We are seeing an attack on, not just on girls, we're seeing an attack on the truth. We're seeing an attack on fundamental American values, an attack on the family. So, yeah, let's let's not underestimate the gravity of what we're facing. Um, and, you know, people scratch their heads and say, where, did, where the heck did this come from? Well, I'll, get, I'll tell you the answer. It comes from Marxist ideology. Marxism is not only about, you know, addressing economic uh, differences or class differences. It also wants to eliminate differences of biological sex. What better way to eliminate biological sex differences than to sort of proclaim um, by a regulation from the Department of Education, oh, we're going to change the definition of sex to include gender identity. I am not exaggerating in a single word that I just said. No, you're absolutely not. Um, and, and what they're doing is essentially saying there are not two sexes. Sex is a spectrum. Not only it's not just two, there's not just three, and there's not just four. It's literally limitless according to what they're doing here. So, And when it is accepted as such that you can be and identify as whatever variation of sex is, either none or multiple that you want to be, now there will only be one field of competition for athletes. There will be only one uh, um, field of competition for students. There will be only one, in other words, the protections that have been offered to females will be wiped out, to actual biological females will be wiped out. How can that possibly be acceptable uh, in, in, in an advanced Western civilization society? Yeah, and the hypocrisy is further emphasized because in some cases they've provided, offered what they call open events. Open meaning open to any individual of whatever, whatever sexual identity they wish to. In other words, one event male, second event female only, third event open. Well, guess what? The transgender athletes refuse to participate in the so-called open events. So this is not about tolerance or acceptance. This is about imposing a radical gender ideology on the rest of society. Yeah, and that's so important to note. We're talking with Edward Bartlett. He's the founder of SAVE, uh, and we'll talk about SAVE's mission here again in a moment. But but it's so important to note that... Um, you know, what, what, what is being done right now is something that is only going to get worse if it isn't nipped in the bud right now. And in fact, it's already too late to nip it in the bud. This has grown beyond control, but it will obviously worsen by, by, you know, an exponential factor. Um, if it isn't stopped, if states don't step up right now and say this, this, uh, bizarre cultish, uh, embrace of, of, of trans, 
you know, uh, identification, if you will, um, is is only going to is only going to harm more kids. I can I can't even fathom what it will look like in five years if the rate at which this is being expanded right now isn't abated. Well, it turns out that Ohio, in fact, is serving as a in a sense a good example for the rest of the nation. Uh, you you may recall just two months ago in December, um, the the Senate and the House in Columbus passed a law that would ban biological males from participating in female sports. Um, unfortunately, the, the governor uh, of Ohio vetoed the law, the bill. Mm-hmm. So guess what? In January, uh, the, the veto was overturned, uh, and now that, that law is in effect. So uh, there are definitely signs of hope, uh, but it doesn't happen just by thinking about it. It really requires citizens, people listening to this call, standing up and say, hell no, I'm not going to take this anymore. Yeah, thank goodness they did do that. Um, it was a little dicier than I wanted it to be. It's really a shame that the governor did that. And we're talking not just about the Saving Women Sports Act that you're referencing. That was folded into a larger bill, which um, uh, which was the SAFE Act, Saving Adolescents from Experimentation. And this makes it illegal in the state of Ohio to give puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones or surgical procedures to minors. Uh, that any of those things that are going to be done have to be going to be done after the age of 18. Uh, and, and that's extraordinarily important. You're right. We hope this is a model for the rest of the, for the country, but it did. It took an, it took an override uh, vote of that veto to bring that about. But at least we did make that step. And yes, it does protect girls in, uh, in sporting events as well. Um, Edward, tell me about SAVE. Tell us about your role in trying to bring reason and common sense and fairness uh, to campuses and to schools. Yeah, certainly. So um, SAVE uh, stands for Stop Abusive and Violent Environments. This is our website, saveservices.org, saveservices.org. Originally, we were just focused on campus due process. You know, you've you've heard about the kangaroo courts and the the loss of the presumption of innocence and all that nonsense mm-hmm. on college campuses, which has been a problem in Ohio and across the nation. So that's where we started out uh, 10, 12 years ago. But then this <clears throat> this uh, proposal to change the definition of sex as part of the, the, the Title IX law to include gender identity, I mean, we just had to respond. We just had to act. So we've actually created a national network called the Title IX Network. It consists of over 200 organizations based in Ohio and across the nation that are saying, hell no, we're not going to allow this, this, this crazy, insane concept to go forward. So, so that's what uh, SAVE is about these days. So I'm looking at the uh, the webpage that you're talking about right now, saveservices.org, saveservices.org, just like it would be spelled. You have a tab at the top that says, how can I help? Uh, I'd like you to answer that. Tell everybody listening right now who is just as concerned about kids and about girls and about uh, the expansion of Title IX to include, uh, you know, fantasy uh, self-identifications and so forth and all of the things that we're dealing with. I know this is an active audience. Um, how can they help? Yeah, well, this this really does require a grassroots response to stop the insanity. And let me actually give an example. Uh, mm-hmm. In Connecticut, 
Uh, Connecticut now has a law that you have to have tampon dispensers in all of the boys' restrooms in schools. Well, <laughs> that law is now being implemented. So um, three weeks ago, um, several boys, it's, it's called Brookfield High School in Connecticut. They decided they just, this was so idiotic. So they went into the boys' restroom. They had just entered uh installed this, this tampon dispenser mm-hmm. and they just simply removed it they removed it from the wall they they took out the studs and they they essentially destroyed the the, the dispenser and uh and and because there's been so so much social media support for what these uh, 20 teenage boys did the Connecticut legislature is now considering reworking that law to say okay we'll let the local school districts decide whether we have to install tampon dispensers in the boys bathroom so 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 much of this really comes down to the individual citizen taking individual action to stop the insanity yeah well you're exactly right and when i saw that story i was so proud of those young men it's weird i would never in a normal circumstance be proud of young people for for vandalizing school property but they had to make right. a statement somebody needed to step up and say no no we're we're men or we're boys we're males we don't need tampons in our restroom where are we going to insert them for crying out loud um you know <laughs> I mean, really, the, you know, and, and I'm, I was so happy to hear that. I, I normally would, would completely condemn this, but you know what? They had to make a statement, and, and I'm glad that they did, and I hope other, you know, people will do the same thing. Maybe not in the, in the vandalism side of things, but, but you're right. It has to be a grassroots effort to say, no, we will not accept this as normal. We will not accept this as being mainstream. We know that there are boys and there are girls. There will never be anything other than boys or girls. Um, and, and we want our, we want our normalcy back. We want normal human uh, biology, physio- physiology, chromosomal uh, recognition to, to, uh, to essentially hold sway again. Right, yeah. It, it's sort of like the Boston Tea Party ethic, right? That, you know, if things totally get out of hand and if the government becomes too oppressive, individual citizens absolutely have to uh, speak out and act out. Uh, I also want to add, if I may, that in addition to Local action uh, right now, as we speak, the the Biden is called the Office of Management and Budget (OMB) Office of Management and Budget mm-hmm. Budget is actually uh, giving the, the the final look to this proposed regulations that would transform the definition of sex to include gender identity. So um, we are encouraging everybody, every American citizen. To, to speak out to the OMB, the information is, is on our website, saveservices.org, mm-hmm. provides the exact information to schedule a, a time for you to give your testimony, oral testimony. So, so it really is urgent. <clears throat> the time really is limited, and we really have to act. I'm looking at that now on the uh, on the webpage on the saveservices.org. Uh, w- which page or which link is that part uh, found? Um, um, we have uh, several. They're called sliders, which are the images that keep sliding mm-hmm. around. Right. So the very the very first image that that has the that says um, "Save America, Stop the Title IX Insanity." I believe those are the words. So if you click on the the words that say 
learn more, that red button, learn more, um, on that, on that slider, it'll take you to the page oh, that you provides. Know, yeah, I see it. I apologize. I wasn't on the homepage. I had clicked uh, press room, and so I was not on the homepage. Now I do see the slider, and I do see exactly what you're talking about, and there is learn more there. So, because I want people to see this, and I want to share it on my own social media so people know how they can how they can help and who they need to contact, including the like you said, the office of uh, of uh, um, uh, management and budget. So, so that's extraordinarily important. The other thing too is. If they, if we don't stop this at the federal level, this to change in Title IX to include identification, um, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that our girls and our and our kids are are in jeopardy in each individual state, right? Because the states can still uh, pass legislation that says we do not recognize. You know, we are an individual United States of America, a collection of states that can pass their own laws. They don't have to conform to that, right? Well, you're, you're, you have a very good point. And, of course, you know who uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is of Florida. Literally just a few days ago, I mean, he is as outraged about this proposal as you and I are. And he actually did a, a, a video where he said, and these are his actual words, he said, Florida will not abide by this federal regulation to change the definition of sex. Those are his exact words. So, in other words, uh, you know, again, we, we can't just sort of, you know, kneel and, and bow, scrape and bow to this this regulation. We just, it, it just so, it, it is an, an, an attack. Uh, it's on the family. It's an attack on the family, an attack on the truth. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much that we have to do to, to stop this. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you phrased it that way, too. Again, we're talking with Edward Bartlett, who is the founder of SAVE, uh, which is a very important organization, assuring fairness and due process in schools. Uh, he's the founder. I'm so glad you said it that way. It is an attack on families as much as it is anything else. I've spent a great deal of time on my program this morning talking about the different states that are doing different things to break up families. In Utah, they're encouraging schools, faculty members, teachers, and so on and so forth to not let parents know about any children that are choosing different names and different pronouns and different identifications at school. That is an attempt to drive a wedge between child and parent. And then in Indiana, you probably saw the story of the couple that had their child taken away from them by the Indiana Child and Protective Services because the parents refused to call the child by uh, inaccurate pronouns and a made-up fantasy name that the kid wanted to be identified as. So it is. This is more than just an attack on kids. It's more than just an attack on girls by way of changing Title IX. It is an attempt to break up families. Yeah, and, and Bob, actually you, you've understated the extent of the problem there, it's not just Utah with these policies. Many, many states around the country, uh, school districts have policies that explicitly state that the school personnel shall not divulge information about the transgender status of their students to their parents. And they say it in black and white. There's, there's nothing subtle about these policies. So, so they are pretty darn widespread. Um, you mentioned about, you know, kids being essentially being kidnapped from their families that's not just in you know indiana i've heard cases all over the country i heard a case in recently in montana where a a girl was was essentially kidnapped by the cps 
again, because her parents would not agree to, you know, transgender uh, treatment. So, yeah, we, we can't overstate the gravity of this assault um, on the family. No question about it. That's exactly what this is. It's an assault on the family. Edward Bartlett, uh, founder of Save, I certainly appreciate it. Um, I followed the instructions on the web page, too, and I want other people to do the same thing. When you go to um, saveservices.org, there is a How Can I Help link there at the top. You can also go down. It'll say follow our Facebook pages, Accusing You, uh, Save for Falsely Accused, and Save for Victims and Survivors. All of these social media sites are very, very important, these platforms, to use them, as well as links to state-level legislation and more. So I encourage everybody to follow along there and do what you can to protect kids, protect girls, uh, and, yes, protect our families because they're all under attack by this shift in the Title IX plan by the Biden administration uh edward bartlett thank you so much for coming on we appreciate it keep up the good work thank you bob good to chat with you pleasure to speak with you as well Eleven twenty-eight coming up a health insurance program to get information on all of your options keeping you informed among the uninformed always right radio with bob france on the answer oh there's a there's a link to, I, I just followed some clicks when I was looking at the um, SAVE website, saveservices.org that Edward Bartlett was just telling us about. Uh, really important organization. I, I firmly believe that, and uh, and I really appreciate him coming on. But one, one of the links is to um, How Can I Help, and that takes you to the Facebook page, Accusing You, the letter U. Um, and on that page, they had posted a story to a Pew Research study that shows, and it's from December, so it's two months old, shows fewer young men are in college now, especially at four-year schools, than there has been at any time since 2011. So we're talking 13 years. Young men aren't going to college. And I think the reason why is very, very self-evident. College campuses have become very hostile places for young men, particularly if they're young and white men. But um, males are considered to be the enemy of progress in social justice. Men are misogynistic. Young men, particularly young, testosterone-filled 18- to 24-year-olds who would go to college campuses, they're toxic with their masculinity. They're aggressive. Um, they're, they're, you know, paternalistic. Supporters and tools of the patriarchy. They think they, they're privileged. They own the world. Um, and any, any male that shows any romantic intentions or attractiveness to a female could be accused of harassment. Me too. All of that stuff going on, the Me Too movement. I mean, I'm not surprised over the course of the last 10, 12 years that men, young men, have stopped going to college. It's a very, very dangerous and hostile place for them. It's a really sad thing. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons why my son is is isolated on his college campus as he is. And by that, I mean he doesn't go to parties. He doesn't go to bars. You know, he plays football and just kind of does his thing as a very small circle. And I'll tell you what. 
You get looked at with, you know, shade thrown your way. Males on campuses, particularly because of what the students are being taught in the classrooms and the social justice culture uh, that demonizes young, toxic, masculine males. It's a very, very, it's a sad thing to think about. On the plus side, for those who aren't going to college, good for them. They're not going to have $120,000 in debt. They're, they're probably going to get a career or field and a trade that's going to pay, pay them more than what a field could pay them when they come out of that school with a degree in nothingness. You know, whether they're going into, you know, skilled trades, you know, carpentry or plumbing or electrical or, or, or welding or whatever, whatever the case might be. <clears throat> We're starting their own businesses and so forth. Good for them if they're not going to uh, take out massive numbers of loads to graduate with nothing. Graduate with nothing but debt. Good for them. But it is sad that it has come to this. All right. Uh, Jim is in uh, West Park. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning, Jim. I was filling out this birthday card for my son-in-law, and this is what I, I wrote in there. It's a quote that I wrote. He's Austrian, so he's he's... Mm. To the left. Oh, boy. In war, two... Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Before you give me your quote, your son-in-law is a leftist from Austria? He's He, he was born in Austria. That's my uh, Charlotte connection. He's my son-in-law who married my daughter. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. How did Jim in West Park let his daughter marry a leftist? <laughs> I can't, there, I can't imagine how that first conversation went. There were two adults, and they're allowed to, to do whatever they want. After you're 18 years old, you don't have jurisdiction over them anymore, and they become citizens. Uh, I know that. It, it, I didn't mean it literally like you could stop there, maybe. But, I mean, I'm just picturing that first uh, that first introduction. Hi, Dad. I'd like you to meet Gavin. Uh, the Biden Gavin. supporters. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Here's right. my quote. In war, two, if not three sides, are trying to kill each other. They all suffer from the same problem. Life. Jesus came to our rescue for our original sin almost 2,000 years ago. And then I want to send out one to Peter, Kersenau. This is out of the uh, Invisible Treason in America. Only in America will we stop a football game, drag out the measuring chains, and look at a play 15 times from six different angles to make sure we made the right call. But we won't verify the integrity of an election of the highest office in our nation. And I haven't heard from Basil in a while. I hope he's okay. And it's off the rodeo, Bob. Thanks. Jim, I'm going to say this to you. Can you dig it? That last quote to Kersenau is the is is the best way of looking at the election fiasco of 2020 that I have heard anybody come up with. I don't know if that was yours or if that came out of a book because I know you like to recommend books. That was phenomenal. The Super Bowl, even a regular season game, you're right. 
If there's a dispute as to the accuracy of the call, they will indeed throw the challenge flag, and nobody gets called guilty of an insurrection against the league for throwing the challenge flag that says, hey, let's have a look at that to make sure things were done right. But they'll look at it, as you said, 15 different times from six different angles, slow motion, back and forth, make sure everything was on the up and up to make sure that this gain was allowed or this catch was allowed or that this penalty was not, was allowed or, 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 you know, called it back or whatever the case might be. Cause it's so important. But when it comes to questions about the integrity of the U.S. elections, how dare you question whether or not all of those mail-in ballots were legal? How dare you question whether or not those drop boxes were stuffed with with mules all over the country with millions of illegal ballots? How dare you question the integrity of our elections? Don't you know that our elections are perfect every time a Democrat wins? The only time we can question whether or not those elections have been valid are when Republicans win, like we did when, when Al Gore lost to George Bush. And like we did when uh, John Kerry lost to George Bush. And like we did when Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump. And like we did when Stacey Abrams lost the Georgia gubernatorial election like to, to Kemp. Like we do. Every time a Democrat loses, we can, we can look at those things. But every time we win, no, it was a perfect call. What do you mean you want an instant replay? What's the matter with you? Are you anti-American? Great call, Jim. That's a great call. BJ in North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. Also known as Basil. Basil, you know, Basil. We yes, sir. Males, we males come from the body of women, and I think it's time 